know what? Honestly, when I was working with the Clippers, they I was pretty much giving most of the athletes a pea or a soy protein because so many of my athletes had either issues with lactose. It wasn't just they weren't vegan or vegetarian. They just had they didn't like the way that whey felt. They were getting gassy. Um, they were having issues breaking down the lactose. There are whey proteins like Momentus is one of them that have like enzymes with them that helps you to kind of break down that lactose more so you don't have that that problem that you usually have with might have with whey. Um, but when it comes to a vegan or vegetarian, sometimes we'll need more of it though. So you might be one scoop away to two scoops of your pea or your soy protein. Um, take that into consideration. But all of them will do the same thing if we're getting enough enough of the right foods, enough quantities, right time, and the, enough of the right strength training protocol. <clears throat> you know, now me hearing that and maybe other strength coaches, people listening to this think the same thing. What about the notion of the incomplete protein? Like, is there enough of all of the different amino acids and the entire protein for it to be a complete protein if it's soy and if it's pea and like doing it that way? Yes, yes. And then this forms, these are complete proteins and they're going to have enough leucine content, which is what we want for that, that muscle, muscle protein synthesis. Yep. Got it. So anybody that's been listening to us for the last 26 minutes can clearly tell that you're very well versed in this. Talk about what is like, what's your background in this? What got you into it? Like talk about the origin of how you are, where you are now. Yeah. Hi guys. I'm Jessica Isaacs. <laughs> um, I, I started off, I was a late bloomer. So I was in the military. Uh, I was an aircraft mechanic and, but I just, I was never really an athlete um, until my thirties. I started playing rugby. Um, thought that, Hey, why not start with a contact sport? Um, <laughs> um, uh, I was into bodybuilding a little bit before that. So I guess that kind of counts depending on, on what camp you're in. Right. Um, but I always struggled with nutrition and body image again. Like I always, I had a mom always on a diet kind of thing. All the things that I always saw were how to make yourself smaller. I had a bunch of friends that had eating disorders. And so I thought that was the cool thing to do. And I hopped on board and just like it, it, my health just suffered. Um, and then I got into bodybuilding thinking that that was going to be a good change for me. And <laughs> my health suffered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, the wrong way. Sorry, I looked yeah. good. Here's the thing. I will tell you, I, the, the times that I stepped on stage and probably arguably looked my best to mainstream, I was the most unhealthy I've ever been in my life. Mentally, physically, all the things, all the things, all of the things. So that was terrible. But then um, I, but through that, I was like, I was seeing how nutrition was allowing me to change my body, allowing me to perform in ways I never performed before. And I became really fascinated about like coupling that with athletes at the highest level. Um, didn't know what a dietitian was, just kind of pursued a path of like, what do I need to do to like learn about nutrition um, and then to be able to work with athletes. Went to school at Purdue, um, got my dietetics undergrad there. Yep. And then uh, worked in a hospital for about a year, did a little bit of like medical nutrition, worked with diabetics and other sorts of kind of patients. But I always wanted to ultimately end up with athletes. Um, moved out to California, got my first gig at Mamba Sports Academy, which was Kobe Bryant's oh. training facility. Yeah. yeah. So I worked with all sorts of athletes, Olympic athletes, professional athletes, youth athletes. Um, it was really cool. Then uh, moved on to work at UCLA, was with the men's and women's basketball teams there as their dietitian for a couple of years. Uh, and then most recently with, with, was with the Clippers um, in the NBA for the last two seasons. Uh, and then now I'm doing private practice and uh, seeing athletes, seeing athletes one-on-one, -on -one, but then also doing some like fun contract work. 
Were you with Les Spellman at Mamba Academy? Yeah, no? yeah, yeah. You were? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we had, we had Les on the show and he was talking Les is dope. Um, about how he got his start at Mamba Academy and just mm-hmm. how it was like, how how he just kind of kept showing up and eventually he worked himself up into what he's doing. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched. Um, I, well, I, didn't, I won't say I watched his whole like career, but I watched from him at him there to him just starting this incredible speed program that he's doing now. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, hydration, sweat rate analysis, all of that. What are your opinions on it? What's your thoughts? What do you recommend? How should people go about addressing this? Yeah, I mean, you can get it dialed in, right? And we can we can measure sweat losses and we can, um, there's in a lab setting, there's also different tools that allow us to kind of measure like urine specific gra- gravity. Um, and the Gatorade also makes like a little patch you can wear that will track like how much sweat and then how much salt, um, because salt is the main elect sodium is the main electrolyte we lose in our sweat, not potassium, um, for all you coconut, <laughs> coconut based sports strength lovers. Um, but, uh, uh, it, it, I, I, for a lot of people though, we want to just take like half of our body weight um, in pounds and that's kind of your baseline ounces of fluid you need each day. And then um, what athletes should also kind of get in the habit of doing every now and then for athletes that aren't like super weight conscious, or this could be like blinded um, is measuring your weight before a workout and your weight, like after a workout. Um, and you're going to have different kinds of workouts, right. And different kinds of conditions. So um, maybe this is you, you measure it for a hard workout essentially to see what's your max output. And you would look at your weight before you wait after see how much many pounds you lose and then replace the amount of that amount of sweat basically is your sweat losses so like if i lost two pounds of sweat then i would have 16 to 24 ounces per pound um so there's a whole there's a whole bunch of equations we can use out there a lot of times i like to just kind of sit down with an athlete try to figure out what their sweat losses are in maybe their most rigorous workout um in maybe hotter hotter conditions and see what their 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 max output is um and then kind of figure out all right what kind of water bottle should we have them carry around um should it be you know a four 48 ounce water bottle and then coach them up on like how many of these do I need to get through in a day. But it also for some athletes, um, it's not just, it's not just sweat, it's just water again that we're losing, we're losing electrolytes. Um, Taking a quick break from the show to talk to you about our membership site. If you find value from our podcast, you are guaranteed to find more value inside of the Strength Coach Network video library inside the membership. Doesn't matter the level coach you are, you can see all of our 170 plus lectures sorted three different ways. Based on the level of expertise coach you are, aspiring, established, or head, you can sort it by every sport imaginable, and you can sort it by every topic in strength and conditioning. This makes all of the content consumable easy for you and for your staff members to be able to deep dive on any topic in strength and conditioning. Click the link down below to try the site out for 24 hours for only $1. Then your membership turns into a monthly membership where the price is less than $30 a month for $29.99, which is less than going out to dinner by yourself. You have access to all of this content. Click the link down below. The average human does not is not going to need electrolytes. They're not going to need to be like all all of the people that are putting in electrolytes into everything. If you're you're staying home in your yoga pants and you're never even walking outdoors, you don't need electrolytes. But if you are a particularly sweaty athlete, if you are someone that gets like those crystals, white crystals on your clothing, on your skin, you're probably a higher saltier sweater. Then you're someone that can benefit from electrolytes. Um, and then again, if we're training in like hot or humid conditions, if you're training for longer than an hour, that might be where I consider some electrolytes as well. 
what about there's there has been a, a big push of like salt 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 right it's kind of getting shoved down people's throat how much of it is yes it is important versus like man are we going to be asking people to like have just all this now hypertension high blood pressure because they're having too much salt like where's that fine line for somebody that wants to do it right well, if you're looking at like the guidelines that I think people are scared about with hypertension, that like 2,300 milligrams of sodium each day, that's made for like the general population. And that's fact, that's factoring in all of the unhealthy people and people that are not active in the country. And we're kind of making generalizations to help people stay away from that chronic disease state, right? But when we're athletes, these recommendations aren't for athletes. Um, athletes can lose a ton of salt um, in their sweat. It can it, it ranges so much per person. Um, but we lose when I say electrolytes, there's potassium, there's magnesium, but the main one that we're losing is sodium or salt. Um, when you're sweating, you're losing salt. Um, and your body was going to come up with a balance. It's going to help. It's going to salt will help us hold on to fluids. Right. Um, but I, I, when we're talking about sweaty athletes, we're, we're not as concerned when it comes to like that hypertension. Um, those recommendations again are, are for the general population, not for an athlete who is sweating, who is moving their body, who is losing salt. Got it. That makes sense. <clears throat> what has been the hardest difficult, most difficult athlete that you've worked with client in your time. And again, respecting their privacy, but just from a 10,000 foot view, like what were the, some of the things that you've struggled with and how'd you overcome them? Man, you know, I've had athletes who don't believe in science. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so you could tell them like research says, blah, blah, blah. They don't care. They don't care. And I, I'm thinking of one athlete in particular. This is a, a high level NBA player. Um, came to me, didn't, would, didn't believe in science. And so I would show him data and show him that he didn't care, didn't care. And he'd been playing for so long that he was like, this is what I do. This is what I've always done. Um, that was an athlete that took a lot of relationship building and the, like me showing that I gave a fuck about him because the science didn't matter. It, the relationship did. The, him trusting in me mattered more than what I could show him that experts have shown me. And then I, you know, I've got a lot of people that are just carb avoidant that are just like, no matter what you tell mm. them, they're carb avoidant. Um, a lot of people that are really interested in like carnivore diet or intermittent fasting. Um, and, you know, like I'll say, I, I know a lot of strength coaches that are big fans of intermittent fasting. I, it's, it's, it's a, God, a, a big fan. Big fans. But I will tell you, I'm going to argue a point here. I'm, I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue. I think it's because I think it's because y'all need it. Y'all need it for discipline, because if not, you're going to be snacking all the time early in the morning or late night because yes. your schedule, your schedule's messed up. It's the thing that makes the most sense for your schedule and to keep you disciplined. But I don't think but as as far as performance, it's not helping your performance. It's not. It's just what works best for you. And so stop I, telling your, stop telling your athletes to do it. <laughs> I 100% agree. I had a group of I had a group of colleagues that they were like two fucking like giddy little kids when it was 10 o'clock because they could eat and it was their I was like are you, I was like really? Like really? Like what what are we fucking doing? It's like, a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. Doesn't that kind of it it almost makes it where you're now putting such a bad stigma on food and you're creating like it's you 100%. think that you're being disciplined, but you're actually creating an unhealthy relationship with food, right? Mm -hmm. 